Good morning. Good morning, good morning. My name is Matthew. I'm one of the pastors here at Desert Springs, and I have a story. Queen of Sheba wants to put the wisest man in the land, Solomon, to the test. So the queen gets these flowers that are absolutely beautiful, but they're fake. Beautiful fake flowers. They look so real. Her plan is to take these artificial flowers and to put them next to real flowers inside the king's room, inside Solomon's room, see if he can find out which are real, which are fake. So that's what she does. She, she puts the flowers next to each other. You got the artificial flower and, and the real flowers right next to each other. Solomon comes into the room and she says to Solomon, you're the wisest man in the land. Tell me which of these flowers are real and which of the flowers are artificial. Solomon takes a moment, a long, long moment, looks at the flowers, and he says to the Queen of Sheba, open the window and let the bees come in. Because what Solomon knew was if the bees come into the window, they'll be able to tell which flower is real and which of the flowers are artificial. Just like the bees, life has a, a way of hovering over us. And if you've ever lived, you know that it has a way of deciding what's real and what's artificial. Today, we're going to talk about authentic relationships. I heard you. Some of you guys just in your brain said, ugh, authentic relationships. We have to talk about relationships. I just finished talking about this with somebody else. Yes, authentic relationships. Real people around a table regularly. Mark chapter 12, John chapter 13. If you were reading them, it would say these words. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, with all your strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. These are the two greatest commandments. There's another one that sounds similar to this, another verse that sounds similar to those. John 35 says, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Practically speaking, why do I need authentic relationships? Why real people at a table regularly? Or, as I would like to say, hashtag R-P-A-A-T-R. <laughs> I just made that up. Why do I need authentic relationships? Why real people at a table regularly? Well, just 
to break the ice, very practically speaking, what's the alternative? Number one, what's the alternative? Watch this. Fake people at a fake table, never. That doesn't sound fun. What's another reason why uh, we need authentic relationships? Very practically speaking, we need a mirror. What does that mean, dude? Have you ever left the house, didn't look in the mirror, and then eventually you got in front of somebody and they said, hey, there's something on your face. Authentic relationships are a way to be a mirror in our lives. Number three, we need authentic relationships because life happens. Some of you guys are like, man, I'm good. I don't need no friends. Life happens. I don't know about you, but the worst call ever is when you make that phone call with someone that you haven't talked to for a long, long, long time. And the only reason why you are calling is because you need something. The two types of relationships, there's a bunch of types of relationships, but I'm only going to talk about two really briefly. There's a consumer relationship, and there's a covenant relationship. Consumer-based relationship and a covenant-based relationship. Real simple, consumer-based relationships are Conditional connections. Covenant-based relationships are unconditional connections. Consumer-based relationship is something that I have with the fries down the street from my house. I, sir, I, ma'am, I am a consumer. And I go to fries, I say hi, I say bye, I greet, I meet, but I'm really there to get my Haagen-Dazs ice cream and my half tea, half lemonade beverage. Sometimes I forget everything else on the list and I make excuses and my wife doesn't take those excuses because she tells me, you got your Haagen-Dazs and you got your Arnold Palmer. It's a consumer-based relationship. I'm there to get my stuff and to give my money and to leave. It's great, I love the place, but if they don't have my ice cream and they don't have my half tea, half lemonade, I'm not gonna show up again. I'm gonna find me another store, another grocery store and get my stuff. I mention this because a lot of times we feel as though every relationship is supposed to be this intimate, close relationship. I'm here to tell you, there's not enough of you to go around. You don't have that much time in the day. If you said hi to every single person that you see and you got close to every single person that you meet, you would never get anything done. Not only are there consumer-based relationships, but there are covenant relationships. Covenant relationships, real simple. I'm going to be with you no matter what. Picture a mom holding her baby, just had her baby, firstborn child. She looks 
at this baby, and she whispers real softly, it's me and you, no matter what. I did something similar when I had my firstborn child in my arms, 2008, middle of the recession, fresh out of college, extremely broke, holding little Matthew in my arms, looking at him and saying, man, I don't know where all the money's going to come from, but it's me and you, no matter what. If I can push it, the only way you have an authentic relationship with God is if it's built on a covenant-based relationship. It's the no matter what type relationship. A healthy marriage is based on covenant, not consuming. Times I've gone into relationships that should be covenant, and I've said, what's in it for me? (laughs) And every time I do that, people get hurt, even me. Consumer-based relationships, covenant-based relationships. Some of you guys are asking, man, how do I keep my covenant with God? I constantly mess up. I constantly break the rules. I sin. Me too. But thanks be to God that the covenant between me and God is not based on my ability to perform. The covenant between me and God is based on Jesus Christ and what he has done. When God sees me, God doesn't see Matthew as bad. He actually sees the blood of Jesus. He sees the sacrifice that Christ made on my behalf. It's kind of like Matthew got all F's. I'm not saying that I did get all F's, but it's possible. And there's this other person who got all A's. And when it's time to present the grades to the powers that be, the names are switched. I no longer have all F's. I have the A's. Christ takes on my past, my present, and my future F's and gives me a clean record. So I'm able to be in a covenant relationship and keep my promise with God, not based on my own efforts, but based on the A-plus student, also known as Jesus Christ. Why? Authentic relationships. We've talked about practical. Let's talk about biblical. Biblically speaking, there are three reasons why hashtag R-P-A-A-T-R. Three reasons why we should be real people around a table regularly. We were made by God to be a member in a family to model him forever. Made by God, biblically speaking, to be a member, a part of God's family, and ultimately to model him, God, forever. Number one, we were made by God. Genesis 2, 26 says, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. 2, 18 says, then the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. 
I will make a helper corresponding to him. Authentic relationships, having close friends, being married, maybe having a bestie, being BFFs forever, a favorite cousin, a homie. God has created this idea, and it's all of us, every single one of us, he's created this idea inside of us in a way that we just can't help wanting to be connected to people. I would love to take credit for it. I'm sure you would too. But relationships, real honest relationships is a God idea. Being made by God means that when God made us, he put in us a need to love and to be loved, a need to connect, a need to be known and to know. To fight it would be foolish. But we do so often. We substitute authentic relationships with inadequate things, pastimes. We work a ton. We validate our place in the relationship by what the bank account looks like or what we did years ago. Certain accomplishments is what we try to replace authentic relationships with. Buying gifts, stuff. We were made to be close to other people, and when we aren't, we try to fill the void, but it just doesn't work. It only pulls real people further apart. Just like we are called to love God, then love people, God patterns this rhythm throughout Scripture. Every time God introduces himself to someone in the Bible, eventually he will connect to people. That's just the way God chose to do it. God chooses to use people, and he chooses to work through people to reveal himself, to show himself to other people. If you look at Adam, God creates this dude, first dude ever created, according to the Bible, and all of a sudden, he brings, thank you, Jesus, brings Eve, brings a woman into the life of Adam. God talks to Moses and then says, Moses, you need to connect to Aaron. Even Paul, the guy who wrote majority of the New Testament, he traveled just to see people. Paul connects to Barnabas. Paul's in prison with Silas. Paul preaches and is so opposed by the government that he gets kicked out of towns with people, with the homies. He's constantly with people, not just those folks, David and Jonathan, Mary and Elizabeth, even Jesus. He had every excuse to say, I'm so holy. I don't need personal connection. I don't need authentic relationships. Jesus had Peter, James, and John. Jesus was so close to Mary, Martha, and Lazarus that when Lazarus died and Jesus saw how it affected Mary and Martha, Jesus literally wept. He cried. 
Not only is this true in scripture, this is true in our modern world. For some of you money people out there, you know this guy named Warren Buffett. If you ever watched an interview with Warren Buffett, he talks a lot about this guy, Charlie Munger. He's a close friend who's been a massive part of his financial success, all the billions. He contributes, he starts naming people in his life, including Charlie. Bill Gates, same, same thing. Always talks about Melinda Gates. Oprah Winfrey, another billionaire, says that she didn't do a lot of therapy because she always had Gail, another authentic relationship. Jay-Z's got Beyonce. For some of you Jordan lovers, he wouldn't have all those rings if it wasn't for Pippin. It's a fact. And if LeBron had a Pippin, he would have a lot of, or and the Phil Jackson too, he would have a lot of rings. I'm not bitter or anything. <laughs> Steph Curry, Clay Thompson. Have you ever heard of the Splash Brothers? They mention Splash Brothers because they're connected. These are professional basketball players. Batman and Robin. Mickey. And Minnie. We were made to be together. Not only are we made to, to be together, we were made by God, but we were made by God to be a family member. Authentic family-like relationships among believers, witnesses, don't miss this, to the truth that God is our Father. If God's my Father and God's your Father, then technically that would make you my brother or sister. Whew! Glad I got through that one. Don't miss this. I know you guys are like, well, duh, of course I know that. But do we really know it? If I say that he's my father and he controls every aspect of my life, I willingly give my life to something bigger than myself. And you say that he's your father and you willingly give your life to him and you will do whatever he leads you to do. That would make us brother and sister or brother and brother or sister and sister, however it goes. What does that mean? What is the expectation? What should be happening? The church is not primarily a human organization. It's a superhuman organism. If we say that we serve a God who is supernatural, who's otherworldly, who's extraterrestrial, then that would probably mean that we have something ridiculously awesome inside of us that connects us together. Beyond the drama, beyond my differences, beyond my mistakes, beyond my hurts and bad habits, there's something greater, brother, that connects us. There's something stronger, sister, that connects us. And just like your kids or your grandkids fight, or just like you fight with your sister or you fight with your brother, newsflash, that kinda happens in supernatural relationships too. 
but it's something greater than all of us that rules it all, that sees it all, and that pulls us together. God takes this very seriously. Truth that all his children are brothers and sisters. 1 John 3.14 says, We know that we have passed from death to life because we love our brothers. The one who does not love remains in death. Don't miss this verse. The, the litmus test or, or the, the real way to tell if someone's really a Jesus follower is not how they vote. It's not how many times they show up to church. It's not whether they cuss or they don't cuss, whether they smoke or they don't smoke, whether they're a good person or they're a terrible person. The Bible says that the way that you know that he or she is a legitimate follower of Jesus is if they show love to the brother, if they show love to the sister. Do you know how easy it is for me to cuss or not cuss versus for me to love you or not love you? It's easier in my personal experience, knowing Matthew, it's easier for me to cuss or not cuss, but it's real hard, guys. Listen to me, it is hard to love you authentically, to be with you authentically through the mess through the challenges. That's hard. John 13 says, by this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Not only are we made by God to be a family member, but we were made to model him forever. John 15, 9, 10 says, as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. This is Jesus talking. Remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. Authentic relationships aren't created by might. They are copied, they are modeled after Christ. It isn't my own ability, Ephesians chapter 2, it isn't my own will that's going to help me to love you. It's actually my own will that keeps me from wanting to love you. Y'all should have said amen to that one. It's got to be a greater power. It's got to be a greater source that sticks with it even when you want to run. Can I talk to some married people in here? It takes something bigger than human ability to stay with someone in covenant when everything in your brain is saying, I didn't get my Haagen-Dazs ice cream. I didn't get my Arnold Palmer. I didn't get what I wanted, so I'm out of here. Maybe I'm just talking to myself. Maybe I'm up here just preaching to myself. Even still, when God has freely given everything to you, while you want to repay him, you can't. So the next natural thing is to do for someone else what's been done for you. 
it's natural for me to say, oh, I don't deserve this love because I don't. Let me try to do all these beautiful things to earn my way. He's like, you can't. There's no good thing in you to earn your way. Well, what do I do? Just respond. It's like my kid coming to me after Christmas and saying, hey, dad, because of the, all the gifts that you gave me, I'm going to work for the next few months. No, bro, you missed it. It was my privilege to give you these gifts. It was my joy to give you everything that I could. It was, it was my greatest honor to be able to shower you with love. Son, my hope is that you can do that for somebody else. I don't know a better option for him. God says to me and he says to you, copy me, model me, look like me. Not just so you can say, oh, I'm better than those people. No. To copy God is to truly be known by God and to truly know him. To experience him in a real, authentic way. How do I do this? There's three L's. How does this work? Learn, love, lead. If you're meeting somebody for the first time or you've known them for years, learn, love, lead is a beautiful strategy. Learn, ask questions. What does learn mean? You gotta Google how to ask open-ended questions that aren't rude. Put that in Google, something good will come up, I promise. You can check me on it because I've kind of done this before. That's how you learn. Ask people questions. The trick is you don't talk. You let them do the talking. Then you lead. Before you lead, you love. Glad y'all was paying attention. That was good. I like that. To love people means to serve them. Pretty simple. You don't serve people so you can get something. You serve people because they need it. You meet a need. After you learn about them, you're going to figure out some things that they need. So that's a great way to serve them. And once that's done and you have a consistent rhythm, that's where leadership comes in. That's where accountability comes in. That's when tough questions comes in. All those things will easily follow. The problem is when you start asking me questions and you don't really know me like that. Problem is when you start getting in my business, but you haven't learned about me and you've never served me, I don't have trust with you, and so I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to hang out with you. Y'all should have said amen right there. <laughs> I'm using me to pick on myself, but we all know if people earn trust, it's easier for us to let them in. This isn't something that I found on a self-help book. It's actually in the book of Acts chapter 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, 
enter prayer. Fundamental teaching, that's what we're doing right here. Fellowship, there's actually a cool opportunity to do that right after this service outside on the patio. And then there's some food involved, which is another thing that we're going to do out there because I'm really hungry right now. Woo! It's going to be great. A church cookout is a fancy way of saying here is a cool barbecue opportunity for you to get face-to-face with people. A table is figurative. It could be a basketball court. It could be a restaurant. It could be a shooting range. Whatever is going to get you face-to-face with people in order to learn, to eventually love, and to eventually lead them. Acts chapter 2, 42 says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. I'll end with this. It's a beautiful quote by C.S. Lewis. It says, To love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give it to no one, not even an animal. Wrap it carefully round with hobbies and with little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in the casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, unredeemable. Love is to be vulnerable. Real people around a table regularly. To love, it's going to be vulnerable. It's not going to be like this pretty little sermon. It's going to be messy. But thanks be to God that he entered into my mess to change my heart, to give me the ability and the model to duplicate that in the lives of other people. Join me as we pray. Lord God, we thank you so much that we can not only be at a table with you, every day, all day, as we work, as we play, as we worship. But we get to be like you. We get to copy you and be in authentic relationships with people. I pray, God, you'll use us, use them, use me to be your hands and feet in a real tangible way. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.